What can the New Zealand hacker teach us about dealing with climate change? In this episode of New Frontiers, we dive into the world of Benjamin Kayser, a former pro rugby player for France with 37 caps to his name and a memorable run in the 2015 Rugby World Cup under his belt. After grappling with injuries, Benjamin made the bold decision to hang up his boots and make an unlikely pivot into an entirely new arena, venture capital. From dealing with imposter syndrome to the best way to handle criticism. What I love about Benjamin's story is that his expertise on performing at the highest level isn't just based on theory. He has walked the walk. And while his ears are a little bit worse for wear, his mind has clearly been sharpened by the hard yards he's travelled to get to where he is today. I only wish I'd come up with a pun about going from the hardest tackles to tackling the hardest issues before we recorded this episode. It was an inspiring, down-to-earth conversation, and I hope you enjoy it too. I've been an FT subscriber for nearly 14 years. Uh, I've spoken at the FT Weekend Festival and they have even written about me a few times. So I'm particularly happy to tell you that this episode of New Frontiers is brought to you by the Financial Times. One of the common threads between my polar career and the work I do today as an investor is the importance of navigating confidently and having the knowledge and the tools that let me take bold decisions. For me, the FT has been an essential tool in navigating a life and a new career in an equally challenging environment. And reading it means you can do more than just catch up. You can stay one step ahead across topics like technology, business and politics. There's also Climate Capital, the FT's dedicated climate change resource, where you can not only stay one step ahead on the most pressing climate developments, but you can also find out how upcoming New Frontiers guest Patrick Grant is pioneering plastic-free sportswear at Community Clothing. For free articles and for up to 40% off a standard digital subscription, visit ft.com slash newfrontiers. That's ft.com slash newfrontiers. Offer available until 28th of March. Thank you for joining us. I believe you retired in 2019 from professional rugby. And um, in, in one of what I'm sure was many interviews at the time, you said, I could have done a lot more, but the world is bigger. You're doing more in, in a very different world now. Founded Impact Ventures in 2020. Is that right? Four years ago? Why, why venture capital and how has that journey been? So I stopped because I retired. I decided to stop. I pressed on that button. I still had another couple of seasons of contracts, but my health was getting a little bit iffy in terms of my neck was completely gone, basically. I had two ops of two levels and they wanted to have a third one. And the consequences would have been quite dramatic saying that I've got arthrosis all the way, all the way in my neck. And they were saying that in 10, 15 years time, I was going to lose total control of two of my fingers. Look, I was picturing myself 50 years old. I wanted to be absolutely thriving, playing tennis with my girls. You know what it is, just living life. And this idea of living life is because rugby was was a golden moment of, of my life. I absolutely adored it, don't get me wrong. But I was, I was born and raised in, in a family that always told me that there's much bigger things and better things to do around me. And, and, and I stumbled upon sport and I wanted to do my absolute best, but I tried to ne never let it totally define me. So I was always one of those guys that was excited about after rugby. Um, I adored a Saturday, right? A changing room, a, a winning bus, a losing bus, a stadium, those cathedrals that are stadium, I adore them. But I was a little bit fed up with the repetition of, of the weeks, where, which is extremely 
tunnel vision, super focus, super repetitive. And so there's much bigger things to do. Yes. And I wanted to challenge myself. And I really, I hope at least that I totally transposed who I am as a person and what I like to do into a, a different uh, avenue. And most people ask them to be surprised by it. So I hope I picked well, but it's the idea is that for me, it's, it's so similar that I found it compelling or um, surprising that there are not more athletes who, who would have gone that way, which is uh, try to bring value to entrepreneurs who are the athletes of real life. Uh, that, that's mm. what I believe in two worlds were absolutely identical, high level sports and high competition innovation. And the extra element that I didn't know that I wanted to do, but which is really who I am as a person, is that I wanted to bring that technology to founders who are trying to build technology or solutions that have a meaning, that have a purpose, that can bring the push the ball forward uh, for for health and for climate. And there's loads of different ways of doing it, but but for us, we decide to 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 concentrate our efforts on climate tech and health tech. And what um, what's been your what's been your favorite part of this new new chapter in your career, new, new professional university you, you are in? And also, what what's been your least favorite? Oh, there's, a, there's a lot more least favorites than favorites. I'll tell you, <laughs> it's a proper challenge. It's a proper battle. Um, fundraising, fundraising should be a new Olympic discipline. It is one tough cookie where you have to get back at it and mm. listen, listen to the feedback, but also believe in yourself. There's a fun little gouge at how much do you need to f uh, take in feedback and different opinions and how much is, look, you need to back yourself to the moon and back and be absolutely certain of what you're saying. And, and if it's not for everyone, so be it. And so that's, that's a hard one. The best by a mile is is hanging out with those entrepreneurs and seeing the technology that's been yeah. built. I mean, that's it's different every single day. We've done insect farming, reforestation at scale, um, nuclear fusion, uh, mental health. You know, AI to detect uh, medical imagery. I mean, it's completely different. Circular economy. A lot of it. That's that's a lot. A big one for us. So very very different companies, different geography, different type of founders, different countries, different cultures. But all of them try to build really, really cool stuff, uh, which is mm. the future uh, with this idea that somehow you're contributing to a better future for all of us. Probably, maybe not for our generation, but for the next ones. And I've got children and so do you. Uh, it's something important to me. So by a mile, the best moment has been uh, reaching milestones collectively as a team, but also hanging out with those fantastic founders and those beautiful companies. I mean, I, I love entrepreneurs. They are... Mm special animals don't get me wrong <laughs> they're, they're very, very special, but but in in such a fascinating and, and 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 inspiring way and the tough moments is um is dealing with failure look it's 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 sports it's dealing with failure it's um surviving the uh, the speed at which you need to do things and so controlling your energy levels controlling which i struggled initially um having the right balance of of um of work and and family because i was i was so i was a little bit scared about um when am i going to be stable enough to know that this is going to be my my total avenue so you you tend to put absolutely every mm. second of what you have uh, in a tank and after 16 years of already asking a lot of my family i was asking even more and i went to do the mba you know so actually that that little breath that my poor wife had for the three weeks that I, we went, you know, that I was sort of pausing after the after my career, well, she had to go back into apnea for a while, <laughs> dealing with me being away and stuff, and that's and that's complicated. Yeah, I, I guess it's, 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 it's the same of more. Yeah. What do you think your your demon 
comes from the, the the chip on your shoulder the reason why i can speak to you in english like this is because i traveled a lot when i was young my my both my parents were um uh, overachievers when they were young and my dad ended up senior partner for mckinsey as a strategy consultant and so we moved around a lot mm -hmm. and i lived in, in the states when i was young and then i lived three years in china hong kong shanghai beijing Technically, was where I started rugby in Hong Kong. So already, always, it gave me an open, an open mind and a, a cultural curiosity that really defined me as a bloke and that opened those opportunities for me. The big, the world was a much bigger place than, oh, you just come back for three years in China. Oh, fantastic. You must speak Japanese then. Well, no, not really. No, you know, that's, that's the type of comments that I would get when I got back to France. And I was like, look, I was given this <laughs> gift of, having a different upbringing, I need to do something about it. That was a little bit mm. my mindset. And then there's a beast of ambition. That's just part of me. I'm super competitive. I don't like losing. And I mean, my, my daughter, I don't let her win at tennis. And she, she'll beat me at some point, but <laughs> I'm not letting them win for the sake of it. Um, and I've always been like that. And, but the same way that I, I love a lot. Um, but, but then I'll mm. be, but then, but then, but I, but I love to win too. So yeah, I guess mm. it's a mix of, uh, upbringing of who I am as a person and you actually find an avenue to express who you are more than you find an avenue just because, just because you like it. Mm. And, and, um, to bring it back to, to team packed ventures, I know that climate is, is, is part of your thesis have been uh, epiphany is too big a word but but some was there some moment where, where you realized that this was something that you were passionate about addressing and, and my climate for you personally i think it's a mix of a few things so number one you said that you know uh, building a fund or you and then you said or oh, building a company well we definitely started by building a company so before building a fund mm. we did the club deal and we did spvs right so totally like entrepreneurs we had to raise money for us we had to create a product we had to test the market we had to iterate non-stop you know making it fit better and and and, and try to make it a, a better product every time and so initially we we started with a vision of saying that people performance matters 60 percent of the reasons why startups scale and fail are people issues it's founding teams that implode it's founders that implode that can't survive entrepreneurship that's what we hear um, and it's, uh, there was also a question on talent of the ability, your ability to retain key talent more than 18 months. A startup can attract talent because you have a ping pong table uh, in the middle of the kitchen and because people are cool, that's not enough now. Right. And, and so we started off like that, not so much focused on climate, but focus more on the impact that people can have on society overall. And that's Mm. thriving human capital is going to be the central ingredient of this of sustainable success and not a consequence of that success and if we just wanted to take it to that to the different level so we invested in circular economy but also in, the, in other companies and when it, and the further we went along the further we wanted to use this catalyzing power of sport whilst killing all the the cliches discovering about those solutions the more of us i was fascinated about I mean, climate tech means everything. Just if you take circular economy, any company who's sort of connected with the challenges of our world has to take into consideration some sort of impact on climate. Whether it's deep tech to find solutions for energy, okay, that's your sole purpose, uh, or, or whether it's a little bit, or it's circular economy, which is just another way of addressing how goods can move and production. Um, so... It's so central. It's so essential. It's so fascinating by how broad it is. And it's so connected to the real world that we decided to focus on it because it's, it, it's too big not to address. 
and on the side note, which doesn't change anything to the mission, the the market size it's so much humanity that on top of that, we believe that the future major successes, economical successes, will be in those sectors too. For many, many people today, you know, climate change is something big, ominous, looming, scary. They're not sure what on earth they can do about it, where, where to start. Now, I'm going to try and bring this back to rugby. What you excelled at was lining up against some of the biggest, scariest human beings on, on the planet. So I guess my question is, is around any any wisdom you have that you can share about dealing with with fear anxiety how do you take action when you're when you're when you're scared you know how do you deal with something enormous high pressure well no, normally you would have to invest in my fund to get that but i'll, I'll give it to you for free because i like <laughs> it but um <laughs> no, look, the reality is that climate anxiety is something that i can see around me number one so it's extremely real because when you see the overwhelming evidence of the challenges that are ahead, it's it's a little bit hard, especially if you tr tend to say that we seem to be very, very focused on acting in certain areas of the world, but the world is so mm. big that sometimes you really do feel, mm. I mean, so in French, we say, you're pissing in a violin. You know, it really feels like it's, you're going a little bit nowhere. Um, so that's a complicated one, but it exists. I mean, look, for me, vulnerability is, is a strength. The, the most... Uh, inspiring, brave, um, le leading leaders, if you want to say, or leading by example leaders, were all those who were very, very comfortable with their vulnerability. Not saying, oh, la, la, I'm going to go on the rugby pitch, I'm going to get hurt, and I'm going to need a plaster. You know, everybody knows the rules. We know it's going to be tough. You're there. It's the boxer who goes into a boxing ring, you know, discovering that there's going to be some punches thrown is just extremely naive, right? We know the rules. However, mm -hmm. I would flip it around the other way. If you're not a little bit scared before you cross that white line and you go into a, a rugby pitch, that's when you're going to get hurt or you are the most stupidest man or woman in the world. Fear is just your body telling you this matters. Stress, mm -hmm. adrenaline, le trac, I don't know how you say that for actors. It's just your body telling you, you know, don't mess this up. This is important to you. People are watching, but also it's important to you. It's completely self-inflicted. It's not like... We, we, we get our wrists broken to go and sign contracts and to play professional rugby. I mean, I've been battling for it for years and years and years. But yes, there's there's an element that you prepare yourself for, for a French team game. If the, the pitch is frozen and the game is called off, every single player on that pitch will find a tiny bit of relief for about three seconds. And then you'll be gutted because it's, it's what you want to do. That's what you're there for. That's what you prepare for. But of course, there's always the element of stress. There's always an element of anxiety. But the, the guys who perform the, the best are all those who express that stress and that anxiety, power of vulnerability, and then transform it to fuel their inner engine. Use it as an extra element mm -hmm. of fuel. It's 100% it's, it's there. And I always get asked the question, how does it feel to be in front of the haka? You know, the, the traditional uh, mm -hmm. New Zealand Maori dance that they perform after every anthem. Look, it's an invitation to war and it feels fantastic to, burn, to be in front of the haka because you get as much from them as they do. Honestly, you do. But how do you get to that, to that moment is that you express the fear to your teammates, to your friends, to your family, to yourself, to whoever, that if you're not 200% of your abilities against the New Zealand All Blacks at the time where I used to play them, they're going to wipe the floor with you. Mm. They're going to embarrass you in front of 90,000 French people who paid you know, 100 euros each to come up to Paris. 
It's, it's, that's, that's what it is. So it's a very healthy fear. And fear, if you don't express it, it will sneak up on you at the worst moment. You think it's under the brushed under the carpet and it's not there. It will crawl up on you, Ben, when you pretended that you were Johnny Macho Bravo in the middle of the Antarctic. You don't need anyone and anything. And then and it will it will kill you from inside. The same way that it will creep up on mm. me if I pretend that I'm not all good and I don't need anybody during the haka and it will just bite me with the side of my face. And I've seen some guys really melt in front of it. Melt. But I've also mm. seen some incredibly brave, courageous leaders who've expressed that fear. Again, not the fear of getting hurt. Nobody's heard of getting hurt. But the fear of disappointing, mm. the fear of letting down your country, the fear of letting down your teammates, the fear of you know looking like a fool. That's a healthy fear. So fear is good. How have you dealt with going from being expert, you know, top of one game, difficult game, to being to starting at the bottom in, in a new game? Has there been a degree of, of imposter syndrome? Have you, and how have you dealt with that? internally uh, absolutely imposter syndrome but i genuinely believe that imposter syndrome is pretty healthy you always want to keep a little bit of imposter syndrome never think that you're the smartest man in the room otherwise you're simply in the wrong room you know it's, it's really mm. is about challenging yourself rather than being so comfortable in what you do yes okay imposter syndrome absolutely but willingness to over to overperform uh, setting high standards and ambition for yourself and trying to better yourself, mm, that's, mm. that's not for everyone. And my, my, my imposter syndrome, honestly, was, was fed, but was also broken during doing my MBA at Oxford, where I was surrounded by extremely clever people, much, much more clever than, than I was. And I always give this example that I discovered four years ago that Excel spreadsheets actually have functions uh, that are linked to them. And it makes everybody laugh because how basic it is but mate, I, I was sent every Monday my my uh, weekly schedule on those Excel spreadsheets, and I thought it was just little boxes. I was like, why would you make a whole software just for a little grid? You know, I thought it was a bit much, but that, but that was it. And so I I'm, I get I'm surrounded by people who are by a mile smarter than me, uh, frozen inside by that imposter syndrome, thinking, what have I done? Because mm. on top of that, I'm paying a lot of money to be there, <laughs> so it's self inflicted, mm. you know. Um, <laughs> and then the more it goes on, the more I realize how similar I was to either vets from the army, entrepreneurs, um, and other athletes mm. where in pure hard skills, uh, we were obviously behind with that Excel example. But then what it was about mindset, about leadership, about team uh, uh, creation, about team performance, we were miles ahead. And they kept on turning to us. Mm. You know, to give us, give me a relevant example. Yeah, okay, fine. The textbook is good. The pure knowledge is all right. But tell me something real about pressure. Tell me something real about negotiation. Tell me something real about adversity, about resilience. I know what it is to be resilient because I failed so many times. If every time mm. there's a potentiality of not succeeding, you know, you hit the handbrake and you wait, because that's what most of those clever people did, then they're never mm. really going to experience it, is it? So yes, it came with some with some tough moments, but I learned so much from it that it was great. So I, it, it boosted my imposter syndrome whilst killing it. And then what finished <laughs> and convincing me was was that 60% of the reasons why startups fail is exactly where we're good at. So trust me, when I invest mm. in those companies, mm. I'm not the one doing all the due diligence on my own, but I, I, I help them a lot on the due diligence of the people performance. And post-investment, my responsibility mm. is to boost that human capital from within while extracting from extracting the best practices of elite sports. But mm. 
excellence is excellence. Standards are standards. High achievers are high achievers. And I'm just finding a different avenue. And one collective trait of high achievers isn't only hard skills knowledge. It's a relentless attitude to learn, to get better, and to deal with adversity. So maybe I start a little bit further back on the starting line of hard skills, of pure innovation, investment, knowledge. But let me tell you, I'm, I'm shoveling my way away, you know, next to them and I'm, <laughs> and I'm eating some spaces on a daily basis. That's, that's the direction. Love it. Love, I, I would imagine as well. I mean, I'm not sure I can imagine what it must have felt like at that, the very highest level for cup rugby. <sighs> I can't imagine what it would be like standing on the on the pitch with uh, the the size of some of the audiences, but but I I would assume that you might occasionally have been the target of some abuse from from you know fans quote quote unquote. Uh, has that been has that been useful? Oh yeah, yeah, of course. I mean, I, without getting too dark, now uh, on top of being with Team Pact, I also do some punditry commentary because I love going to the games and mm. and 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 sticking at it. And I was. I was um, I was involved in the first two rounds of the Six Nations. Absolutely adored it. But last year, I think it was or two years ago, where there was I did some comms around some games. I mean, you get some comments of disappointed fans thinking I was too biased, who would tell me and go kill myself. Huh? That's that's the comments that you get. Mm. And mm. I've got thick skin. Number one, number two, uh, I've been used to that. So not to that level, not to that extent. Like what you were mentioning, mm. the pressure of the stands mm. is not the same thing, right? booing somebody and telling them to go kill themselves that's that's there's a whole different rage and refs imagine referees what they're getting at the moment i mean it's atrocious yeah. um and then it's it's one of the examples that i always tell the the founders that i try to help is that we tell them look very early on you got to decide whose opinion matters you got to build yourself a little inner circle of two three x amount of people whose opinion is going to matter but if you're going to try to value yourself based on well, social media is atrocious, but even based on media, period, well, that's mm. going to be a long road, long, long road ahead. If you're going to base your success as a founder as the you know, number of press cuts that you get or the comments that you get after a round or the reputation, how you compare yourself to others, it's going to be a long, long road. So no, no, f filter opinions that matter. Build yourself that little inner sanctum that's who you will really go and get feedback from. Uh, and then go. So doubters, absolutely, every day. And everything that I do, I'll find doubters. But one doubter that's convinced is a win for them, not necessarily for me. Because from day one, I don't, I don't, really, I don't really pay attention to uh, non-constructive non criticism. Going back to you talking earlier about um, the traits, characteristics you, you see in the best founders and founding teams. What can you tell us about... Um, how you how you measure mindset those sort of human human qualities because some people say we you can't put those into a spreadsheet it's 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 sort of intuition so clearly fair. there's more to it than that but how much can you tell us which is fair we we don't pretend that we have a crystal ball and we can literally analyze black or white whether founding teams are going to make it or not huh? number one it's part of a due diligence process and you can never be absolutely total crystal clear about the outcome of the results, for sure. But it's like having a human radar. The more interviews that you do, the more founders you meet, the more questions you ask them, the more patterns you can uh, analyze, the better, the sharper you get at this. And the way that we use data is just to multiply by a thousand our sharpness into the way that we analyze people and how we can compare them to one another. Will we miss out on some absolute diamonds? Yes, for sure. Like everybody does in our in our uh, 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 line of work. 
But will we also hopefully um, put away some investments that we would have done had we just been a FOMO investor, just, you know, following the trend, not, not paying attention to all those red flags because it's such a cool, trendy company? Well, yes, of course, that's what we're mm. trying to, to go out for. So, I mean, I, I should have said it from day one, but I adore entrepreneurs. I, I love um, elite performers that have done super well. Neither of these uh, type of people are perfect and, and far from it. Um, there are some, you know, the difference between self-confidence and arrogance is a very, very gray zone. The incapacity to totally mm. switch off. The incapacity sometimes to understand why people can't keep up with how good you are. Um, there, there's also some bad traits. I'm not painting this as a perfect picture so that what we're trying to detect in the people performance is not a perfect company. We're not decide, trying mm. to detect, oh, look, everything's ideal there. There's not a problem. We will invest. There will always be problems. There will always be chaos. There will always be arguments. Mm. There will always be challenges. But and, and that's how it was in the most elite performing teams too. Definitely was there arguments and challenges and uh, misalignments on a daily basis. How you deal with them? How, how do you finally disagree and commit? How do leaders you know, take the right decisions there? With that amount of pressure and competition, of course, nothing is pink, nothing is perfect. But if I wanted, if you want to speak a little bit about this people performance, almost audit that we created, and when I say we, to be totally honest, it's uh, my partner, Sarah Jalot, who's a data scientist and who was also a former um, um, elite athlete at uh, fencing, quite a fascinating mm. um, uh, woman she is. And, and she started by using actually frameworks that are already existing. So... Whether it's um, in you know in psychology, whether it's ways of assessing narcissism, flexibility, ability, self awareness, there are uh, there is a lot of content already existing. Now, did she back that with also all the frameworks that already exist in the B Corp questionnaire, in the Great Place to Work questionnaire, in all the different? So she just extracted the best out of the best, revamped them, and summed mm. them up in a way that for us seemed a lot more. Um, um, Adequate. And just to give you a couple of things that we look at, we look at the type of turnover, we look at the NPS satisfaction employee, we look at the narcissism, like I said to you about um, the founders. You can measure resilience, you can measure individual resilience. There are some frameworks that exist, and that's what we measure. Um, and also, we back it up with some qualitative data, which is, I think, we must be one of the only VCs in the world, unless I'm totally wrong with that, I haven't heard of them. Who, yes, we speak to founders and to managers, but we absolutely always speak to employees too. Not all employees, mm. but we definitely open up, you know, to have a look at the state of the engine when, rather than only looking at the bodywork. I'm intrigued. You're talking about, you know, kind of elite sporting teams not being all all sort of roses at the very top. You talk about sort of, you know disagreements and high pressure with with um, a, a team pact. You're, you're one of three founders I, I believe is that a sort of three-way consensus like equal split or or is there a is there a captain um, wow you're really coming into my changing room now huh? now so three three co-founders <laughs> um the, the birth of team practice is um me at oxford wanting to know more about venture and actually in one of my participations as a business angel, which I was heavily involved with, the, well, sorry, the reason why I went to do the MBA is because the day that a VC fund, a French VC fund invested in one of my business angel participations, I was almost ejected from conversations because I was completely out of depth and didn't understand anything. But purely 
as simple or as, as silly as I didn't understand the vocabulary that was used. It really is. It was as basic mm. as that. I didn't understand the term sheets and I didn't want to ask the silly question. And so I just, I retracted myself a little bit. So I went to do the MBA thinking I never w not want to be involved in the conversation. Right. That, that was the idea. Mm. And when I tried to discover more about venture, actually the founder of that company said, well, if you want to know more, you're technically partner up with another VC who's invested in our cap table, go and speak to him. And so that guy was Romain Vidal, the partner of, of the fund. And, and it's so sports meeting VC. And he thought about an intern that he had that same VC firm who ended up being an entrepreneur who he really liked, who was uh, leading the climate tech uh, vertical. And so it's sports meeting VC, meeting climate. And so the three co-founders are, are Romain, myself and, and Basile. And then we extended the team to, and everybody's a partner. So we're actually a six people partnership, but with three co-founders originally. So everybody's mm. got a voice. Not everybody's got a vote. We really believe into the, if it's purely in terms of IC, there's a strong team analysis um, in the middle, but it all starts from a pure lead investor conviction because you can't have an unanimous decision on venture. It is groundbreaking, very, very high risk, completely different stuff. So if we try to have, mm. um, you know, everybody agree on something, we're most probably going to only going to invest into some average companies. So it's very much uh, that we have this bounding sort of circle of trust, which is absolutely important for us. We are all partners. So everybody is involved with equity within our, within our processes. And then we're extremely self-aware, but also team aware with some genuine, we spend a lot of time building those genuine, genuine human connections. So there's no interpretation of different agendas and different reactions and, and all those things. So we work as a team. That's that's the, that's the the little, mm. you know the the conclusion is that we work as a team. The lead investor will will you know hold his convictions, gather all the amount of courage and and sense of putting putting his money where his mouth is. Let's say, the, and we will all back each other. If we had to hit this whole podcast down to to one minute, like what would for you what, what would be the most important takeaway? Well, the the harder the challenge is, the, just the, the sweeter the victory tests. So it really is. An idea of pushing yourself to the absolute limit. It will be hard, don't get me wrong, but it's it's worth it times a thousand. Whether it's to show example to the people who love you, your children, etc., or if it's just to be proud of yourself. And then you, when you push it to a different level, which is trying to have an impact on the world, it just makes everything have a, a lot of a, a lot of sense, a lot of granularity, a lot of a lot of deepness about it. So push yourself; it's worth it. Go all the way out. It's worth mm. it. People will be proud of you. Try to use it for positive change because everybody needs it. You're going to be scared along the way, but if you're scared, just use it to fuel your engine even more because everybody's scared. Even the elite, elite of elite performers are very scared. And there was a great quote of Novak Djokovic the other day of saying, do you think I'm never scared when things are going wrong? Stuff, Of course I'm scared. What I'm really, really good at is that I get from scared to angry, I explode, whatever it is, back to my normal zone, the fastest out of anybody. So that's, that's his trick. Mm -hmm. He does get angry. He does yell out to scream. He does throw a couple of insults. He'll break a racket from time to time, but he snaps out of it as fast as any, or faster than anybody else. That's the difference. Nobody's a robot. Just got to go back to your ground zero level. So that will be my few tips. Mm, excellent. And thank you. Now, if people want to keep up with, with, with you about Team Pack Ventures or keep up with, with what you're up to, um, what are the best places to find you online? Yeah, well, look, I'm, I'm on LinkedIn. I'm, I, I try to do a post from time to time where I, I do bring 
an example, an illustration out of sports to try to see how it can fit with decision-making under stress, team togetherness, alignment, resilience, whatever it is, trust, uh, um, and bring it to a, a comparison between entrepreneurship and excellence of, of sports. So re feel free to reach out to me on, on LinkedIn, uh, no no hesitation. Then I have to be present on social media, even though I'm not a big fan. So you'll find me in some way if you, if you want to, and please feel free. If it's for a cool conversation, I'm always up for it. Excellent. Um, it's been a joy. Great to see you again. Thank you very much. Absolute pleasure. I'm particularly happy to tell you that this episode of New Frontiers is brought to you by The Financial Times. For free articles and for up to 40% off a standard digital subscription, visit ft.com slash new frontiers that's ft.com slash new frontiers offer available until 28th of march there's also climate capital the ft's dedicated climate change resource where you can not only stay one step ahead on the most pressing climate developments but you can also find out how upcoming new frontiers guest patrick grant is pioneering plastic free sportswear at community clothing Thank you for joining me on New Frontiers. For more stories and insights, you can visit my website, bensaunders.com. And please don't forget to subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. I want to leave you with a thought from Norwegian explorer Fridjof Nansen, who wrote this in 1928. It is a difficult time you are living in, no doubt. And the world does not give you a bright outlook just now, perhaps. But it is an interesting time. Many important things are happening, and it is full of great problems for you to solve. It is you who have to create the future and make the world a better place to live.